Alexander McLaurin, the Scottish Baptist minister, said, While the agent of renovation is the Holy Spirit and the condition of renovation is our cleaving to Christ, the medium of renovation and the weapon which the transforming grace employs is the word of the truth of the gospel whereby we are sanctified. In the heart of a champion. And I think that deserves a follow-up of reading Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, which I will do right after I say welcome to this week's edition of the Code of Man podcast, the first episode of 2023, and I am joined in studio by my own self, Corey Easy Target Cantrell. Wait a minute. Can you be joined by yourself? You can. Your name's Corey Easy Target Cantrell? No, I'm One Mike Overtrek Barnett. And then, of say course, that again. That was gold. One could only dream. And that's Napoleon. No, Dynamite, that was not. Rolling that, no, Napoleon. no, 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 no. That was not me. That was my co- cohort, my partner in crime. Apparently, my BFF. Yeah, ride or die, baby. Let me start over. Peanut I'm, butter to my jelly. I'm joined today <laughs> on this episode of the Code of Man by my BFFs, Easy Target and Rolling Napoleon, and I am Overtrek Mike Barnett. Yeah, it's so you, good. To you be you know here. who you are. Oh. Cute and cuddly over there. <laughs> I was going to read uh, Romans chapter 12 because today what we're talking about is renovation. And we're not about to renovate a house, I, I guess. We're not going to renovate a car, but we're talking about renovating our entire soul, renovating our hearts, our minds, our bodies, our relationships, renovation uh, of our whole person. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. There are other verses in the Bible that speak to this thing of renovation and renewal. Renovation is a big topic for us right now because in our lives, in our church, we've been talking about this for some time coming into the new year. And so the the theme of today's episode is a question. What would a renovation year look like in your life? Now, before we begin to answer that question, we first of all have to talk about, well, what do we mean by that? Before we go down that that line, I just want to ask you fellas uh, right up front this little personal question: How's the first week of the year gone for you? Has it really has it been good? Have you have you have you started the week off well? Wonderful. The year off well. Yes. Wonderful. The week and the year. I had a good week. Had a good year so far. What makes you feel like you've really done well? Well, I've had last last year. Um, if, if you listen to the previous podcast, I talked about how. I uh, went on a uh, little bit of a, a staycation at the Napoleon household. Had a good two weeks. So 
My big issue in years past, I'm a, I'm a resolution guy, and I put too much on myself at the beginning of the year. And they're really good resolutions. They're really good goals, but I try too hard at the beginning of the year. So what I did, I put those things into practice during my staycation, my vacation. Oh, yeah. And I was already in the routine of, of getting up early and consistently doing my devotions like I've had planned. And I've also had a good workout buddy this week. So that's been going well as also. Yeah. Well, I mean, yes. Workout trainer. I'm sorry. Workout yes. Workout trainer. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we want to go back and talk about how you've decreased the pressure on yourself by, by, by finishing strong and kind of gearing up for it. Right. But we want to talk about that trainer. I, I just want to say one thing. He's got a better trainer than you had when you started. I got to say. I bet he does. He's more mature. Yeah. yeah. He's a kinder, kinder, gentler, gentler. sweeter America. I turned to my <laughs> wife, Barbara, and I said, <laughs> it was like a thousand points of light. <laughs> yeah, so I was telling uh, him this morning during uh, the workout, I said, I, you know, I think that I'm a better trainer now than what old Easy Target had when he started four years ago. Because when you started, I just grabbed you and said, come on, we're going to do this, and just got you doing whatever I was doing. Yes, and when I was sitting there like about to die saying, I can't do that, your response was typically something along the lines of, you tell your body what it can and can't do. Don't let your body tell you what it can't do. That was a horrible impersonation. I was like, what? Yeah. That sounded nothing yeah, like I would have said it a lot more clever than that, too. Whatever it was, all I know <laughs> is... What's wrong with you, you idiot? Do, do it! <laughs> do you know how hard it is to remember something when you're oxygen deprived? I mean, yeah, the details might be a little fuzzy nice. now, but you know, <laughs> it was something like, he's like, uh, hey, uh, why don't you give me 10 pull-ups? Dude, I'm 185 pounds in a five foot six frame. I can't do any pull-ups. Five foot six. Case in point, today... We started training Napoleon on yes, pull-ups. Correct, correct. I didn't ask him to do a single pull-up. Yeah. Just uh, hang there from the bar and allow your muscles to gradually build. Okay, thanks. No, he did negatives. We did I negatives. Did negatives. He, oh. And I gave him a bucket so he could step up and grab the bar. And, and then, he kicked the bucket. And then I kicked the bucket multiple times. Like actually. seven or eight times. Yep. Huh. Eight or seven times. Eight hey, or seven. Let me tell you. Today, <laughs> fellas, I had some temptation because it's Friday fun day. <laughs> Temptation was there at work. Donut day. Uh, you know what old Napoleon did? Oh, go ahead. <laughs> we call that the hijack. <laughs> go ahead. I, that's great. This is great. Go ahead. This is going to be perfect. Trust me. This is going to be good. I can tell. <laughs> Temptation came with donuts. Temptation came a knocking, and he had donuts. And you know what I did? <laughs> I ate my tuna sandwich, and. I looked at those pathetic ring cakes. Yeah, and uh, I, said I no. didn't eat one. I you said, said no. no. You just yep. said no. So we had a little Barbara Bush in there with the George. <laughs> yeah, you just <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> so who was this? All the thousand boy lights. Oh, he turned yeah, to Barbara. Yeah. I turned to my wife Barbara. <laughs> yeah, it was a kinder, sweeter, more gentler America. <laughs> so, so leaving the training and going straight with that that thought right there. Uh, this is this is Friday, January sixth, when we're recording. It's Epiphany, all right. So, so for one thing, I want to say it's the end of Christmas, and I've enjoyed it. It's been a great Christmas season. Thank you all for being a part of it. I mean, you listening and you two here in the studio, we've had a, we've had a blast. But the twelve days of Christmas comes to a close now. But Epiphany, do you know one of the observances or the way they they observe Epiphany in Mexico? Mm -hmm. 
is they give out ring cakes. Is that why you call them? AKA donuts. Really? I, I'll eat a donut. Don't get me wrong. I'll eat a donut. But I just felt like... you got to watch for the baby Jesus hidden inside the donut. That's how you celebrate Epiphany. Oh. See, they give out the ring cakes, and whoever yeah. gets the one with the baby Jesus inside of it gets the, the prize. It's a way of celebrating Epiphany. Huh. Yeah, it's a real thing. People are excited about it. That's, yes, they are. And in Greece, in Greece, on tonight, in Greece, okay, not the movie, not John Travolta, in the country of Greece, <laughs> children will place their shoes outside the door tonight in hopes that the three kings, the three wise men, will pass by and fill their shoes full of candy. That's us. You know what yep. happens? You know what happens to the naughty kids? They don't get any. The three blind mice come and take their candy. Oh. <laughs> hey, by the way, what was Dr. Frankenstein's resolution for the new year? I don't know, Mike. Tell me. To make new friends. <laughs> he he didn't like it. You still love, I love it. That. That's great. That's like this joke I tell to my mom. No one really laughs, but every time I start to tell it to my mom, she loses it. So what do you call a skeleton in your closet? A 1967 hide-and-go-seek champion. <laughs> yeah, he, 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 what is wrong? He laughs at those corny jokes like it's, they're something. My mom loses it every time I do that. Yeah. Well, anyway, I had some more jokes, but they're not here. <laughs> to give fair and equal time, easy target, how has the first week of your year gone? Yeah, I easy think, target. I think it's gone very well. Uh, there has been some improvement already in some of what we're going to talk about. Um, for what renovation year looks like? Spoiler some, alert! Some spoiler alert! Um, there's been some there's been some success in that department. It's been a time of more intense focus with you know my wife, my children. Got to take part in a little bit of home repair work with my dad at my grandpa's house. Some renovation, house. a little bit of physical oh. renovation of the home, and uh, so did actually did that last night, and so. Um, that was that was enjoyable. Doing a little bit more on uh, this upcoming Saturday, so a lot of a lot of goodness that's already come so far this year. It's been a it's been a good kickoff to what's going to be a good year. Excellent. What about you? Well, actually, <laughs> I've had a very productive, satisfying, successful week in very in in a lot of ways. I mean, one of the ways is again how we're going to talk this. Uh, what I'm going to talk about in the question today of what a renovation year looks like. It's the main thing I've been given to work on this year. But I've been able to slow down even today. Today was a slow down day. You know, I got up this morning and Napoleon and I had a workout. And then I, I took uh, Benjamin to school. I come home. And my wife and I do a little Pilates. And, and then we go for a walk. Hmm. And I threw my ruck on. I have now put 13 miles under my ruck already in the first week of the new year. And uh, then I come back, had a little smoothie, had a cup of coffee. Uh, I didn't even kind of start the, the duty day until about 10.45, 11 o'clock. Mm. I was just so lost in that story. I mean, it's just great. Oh, good. Well, you were a part of it. You Mesmerizing. were a supporting character. There it is. Yeah. So anyway. It's the key, uh, to, it's the key to keeping Dean's attention, just make him a part of the story. <laughs> <laughs> now that sounds like a good impersonation of him doing that goofy laugh. <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you, if I weren't sitting here seeing who was doing it, I wouldn't know which one of you were doing that. Oh, I can do a real good easy target. Yeah. yeah. Can you? Can okay. You? All right. Audience, 
We want to te- do a all test right. right now. We want you to all to close your eyes. Wait, unless they're driving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And guess, guess which one is doing the laugh. All right, okay. ready, go, <laughs> and go. <laughs> All right, which one was which? I don't Adios. know. The Honestly. world may never know. Write us at codamangen127 <laughs> at gmail dot com. Oh, they're not going to they, waste their do time. They do they win anything? Uh, yes, we the, have an we have autographed a, picture of the three of us. Well, that and that and. We will give away a copy of John Eldridge's All Things New, which would be very fitting for renovation year. Oh, wow. So, what? okay, they have to be the seventh person to do it. The seventh person to get it right. The seventh person to email us. To email us. They have to be the seventh person to email email. us. They have to get it right. All right. Seventh seventh emailer that gets it right. This isn't a radio show. This is a (laughs) podcast, man. Oh, well, well, anyway, the first we'd one... We'd be thankful that, just to get an email. If, if, yes. if one person will email us and get it half right. <laughs> we'll send you a book. <laughs> but wait a minute. There's, there's only two options. <laughs> oh, mercy. What if it was the same guy? No, it could be. It could be. I mean, it, we all had our eyes closed. I don't even remember which order I went. <laughs> <laughs> well, fortunately, I do. Okay. All right, but I want to say, very good. It's hard for me to tell, and I was watching you. Mm. Mm. So let's get back to where we're supposed to go today on renovation year. The question is, what would a renovation year look like for you as a listener? And what we want to do is share what our answer to that question is. But first of all, let me define renovation. And again, let's give some context to what we're talking about. The, the, the definition that we are using around our uh, area of operation in the undisclosed location is Renovate means to restore to a former better state, as by cleaning, repairing, or rebuilding, or to restore to life, vigor, or activity. In other words, to revive something. And one of the primary ways that we have been talking about that in in our circle here is out of Revelation chapter 2, where Jesus says to the church of Ephesus, you have left your first love. And his instruction to them in so many words was, you need to remember what used to be, repent of the things you're, you're, you're getting wrong, and then go back and do the things that had you in the right place at the beginning. Go back and do that again. So it's renovation. It's a renovation of the heart. It's a renovation of methodology. It's a renovation of philosophy. Repentance, as we've tried to... It's not the change of action, right? It's the change of thinking. Right. Because it's the change of action that comes next. Remember, repent... Then go back and do. So it's it's all in the mind first. That's why Revel, uh, Romans chapter twelve is so big. The renewing of the mind. That's why Second uh, Corinthians four sixteen is so important. The inward man is renewed day by day. Because when we can get the inward man right and the thoughts right, then we can get the actions right. So we're we're working on that around the church. We're working on that in our families, in our personal lives. But that's where we have to start personal life. So what would a renovation year look like for you? Well, you and I, were, I reached out to you there, OT, and going back to our Way of Holiness conference, we, we did the, the shrink your world, slow your pace, and shepherd your heart. So that's where I started. That's where the thought process has started. That's where I've been studying, and that's where, where I started to build from. And 
one of the things that I'm really going to focus on is trying to be present, be more present, trying to be more present in everything that I do. So, for example, I'm bad about, in my devotions, I will get in a hurry, and sometimes I'm reading and I don't even know what I'm reading. Or sometimes I just, I get, I'm so task-oriented sometimes that I forget to just slow down and take in what I'm doing. Because I'm focusing on the task of getting through something and, and achieving a goal versus actually being in the moment and taking something from it. Also, not only being more present in my devotions, but also just being more present in my conversations with people and seeing every conversation as a, a built, as a opportunity rather to minister to someone. Instead of looking to the next time I teach a lesson or preach or go visiting or whatever it may be, take the person in front of me and slow down and be present in that conversation and let, wait for the opportunity to let them see what God's been teaching me and minister to them in that, in that moment. Well, I have to say that's going to sound, that sounds an awful lot like my own answer to the question, you know? I mean, and, and I sort of feel like, and I'll go ahead and just say, I mean, I'm going to answer, my answer to this question is going to be the Lord's been showing me that I need to slow my pace coming from the very theme of our our conference, which, by the way, is the theme of living a holy life. Those three things we're going to continue with moving right. forward because they capture it so well, but I, I think you saying that and knowing the thoughts that I have in my heart almost confirms that this is probably a major thing for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I know we've talked about this before on the, the pull into the rush and the hurry, but a lot of times what we've talked about is the busyness of the world going on around us. What you just described is so much more vital, and in fact, we'll never overcome the busyness of the outside madness if we don't learn how to be present to the moment to the people and present to god right where we are at that time Mm -hmm. and i think that's going to be big for a lot of people so you know someone that's thinking with us right now well how would i be a better me by the end of 2023 a better me by 2023 put it on a t-shirt yes put it in the line of t-shirts that are coming yeah mr napoleon do your job but i think for a lot of people it's going to be that right it's going to be, as a matter of fact, maybe we should talk to Miss Napoleon. Apparently, she's learned how to slow down and not get in a hurry. Oh, 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 oh. trouble coming. Oh, wow. man, who said that? Where did that come from? <laughs> anyway, moving right along. Yeah, because uh, I was going to springboard in on that point. Um, Lauren, that was them that said that, not me. But he was thinking <clears throat> it. They know your voice is much higher. But to the point about slowing down and being present, so this was something that, Charity's given me a hard time about for a long time. Um, I'm a fast walker, and, you know, we'll be out with the family and stuff like that, and I'm, like, you'll see me with children, and I've got them behind me, and I don't... Dragging them. Yeah, and I'm not... It's not on purpose. I'm not, I'm not even thinking about it. She's like, you walk so much faster than everybody. And for years, it was always kind of, you know, like a like a jokey type thing. Yeah, that's, that's my UPS driver's walk, because, you know, you got to get the package, get to the door, get back. And so I was trained, you know, walk fast, walk fast, walk fast, walk fast. And I didn't really put a lot of thought into what was actually happening. But I was always in such a rush. We'd be in a store. I'm in a rush. Let's get here. Let's get this stuff. Let's get out. Let's get going. Boom, 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 boom. And what I have since started un- uncovering in the last, especially the last few days, is 
that hurry has been taking me out of the present moment. Mm -hmm. Like those are as much as I hate shopping. Those are still moments with my family. Those are still moments that I, I am doing an activity together. So if I'm always in a hurry and in a rush through these things, I'm actually rushing through my children's life. Right. I'm rushing through my life together with my with my wife. If I am constantly thinking about, okay, i got to hurry up and get this stuff done because I've got this project, this project, this project, I'm rushing through my life with my brothers and sisters that you know I'm supposed to be doing these things with. So I think the importance of slowing down will manifest in all three of our lives differently, but to each listener— I think we've all got ways that, that we need to slow down and, and at least be aware of why am I in a rush? Is it because I'm on a, a you know a time-sensitive issue that, okay, this is, this is an anomaly. I have to hurry and get this done because duty demands it. Or is this a pattern of life where I am developing this sense of always being in a rush. Well, I feel like I should go ahead and just jump in with mine because we're on this common theme right now. And I, I know you've had, you have something else that's been in your heart that, that you want to bring up. So let me just go ahead and say that for me, uh, the thing that, that God has given me to really work on this year to have a renovation year is I've got to learn how to slow my pace. Mm. And I mentioned that already, but I was asking, I sat out at my place of prayer this morning, knowing we were going to record today and I actually just wrote the question out. What would a renovation year look like for me? And the immediate answer that came to me was slowing my pace sufficiently in order to be with God and be for God's people. And as someone who is in ministry, it is so important, as you just alluded to, right? Well, both of you did. I mean, I, I've got to be present to the people, but to be present to the people, you've got to slow down. John Maxwell, the leadership guru who wrote all those, those books on leadership, he told a story about a guy that that he that worked for him. I think the man's name was Dan, and uh, he was watching Dan one morning just sweep through the uh, the office area, and so he went to Dan's office later on and he asked him about why he had just passed through all the office area and he never spoke to anybody. He didn't speak to anybody at their desk or anything, and Dan's response was, "Well, I had to get to my work," and John said, "But Dan, the people are your work." Hmm. Wow. And I mean, I, I now, uh, full disclosure and apologies if I mixed up the story there and it was Dan that said it to John or John to Dan. I don't know, but the point <laughs> Dan, stuck. Dan's sitting at home right now okay. going, what the well, world? I was the one that said that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It uh, was me, Carol. Don't worry about it, Dan. Yeah. John and Dan, hey, thanks. For, just thanks for listening, so and sorry. I apologize. But anyway, sorry. the point stands. The people are our work, right? So it's the people that God has entrusted us with, we've got to give the attention to as a pastor, as a leader of people's lives, so you want to, you want to influence them and impact them. As a father, you know, the mothers that are listening, you want to influence your children. Well, I got a great, great devotional thought for you. All right, I picked up a new devotional book for this year called Streams in the Desert. This book was written first by <laughs> uh, 1925. 1925. This thing's almost uh -huh. 100 years old now. Not my copy. My copy's not 100 years old. From but a, it's a, a missionary, wasn't it? Missionary named yeah. Miss, Miss Charles E. Kalman, a missionary in Japan and China. Mm -hmm. And I, I told E.T. about this. We have a local used bookstore here in the area. And I had been seeing this book in there. I'm familiar with the title. I've somewhat heard some stuff about this book, Streams in the Desert. And I was watching it. So every time I would find one in there, and you got to understand, as a listener, if you're not from our area, you won't know, but those listening that are might understand this bookstore usually has some great books in the 
Christian section for like 75 cents. I mean, we can go in there with uh, five bucks and walk out with a stack of stuff. Unless it's C.S. Lewis. And it's unless like, it's C.S. Lewis. Yeah. $17.25. Yeah. Yeah. That's the uh-huh. only Christian author that their stuff regularly costs more than five bucks. Well, except Ma- uh, Miss Charles E. Cowman. So I was watching this, and I was always, when I would find a copy of this, it was either marked up, which I didn't want that, because mm-hmm. I, I'll mark a book up, but I don't, I don't want somebody else's markings. Uh, I was seeing copies of this. It was either marked up, I didn't want that, or they were wanting like, you know, eight bucks for it. Well, I'm not paying eight bucks for a book in this store. I can get the good stuff for 75 cents. I was in yeah. there a few months ago. I was in there and found this nice size, hardback, unmarked edition. And just to show you how much I believe in this devotional book, it was $4, and I paid every penny of it, buddy. That's a lot of pennies. That's a lot of pennies in that bookstore. Mm. But anyway... So I cracked it open January 1st. Lord's been working in my heart about this slowdown. You know, you got to throttle back. You're really trying to push people. I want it. I want people to get it. I want people to understand, man, this is what God's doing, and this is great. And Get on board. So I'm reading on January the 3rd, and this is what I read. It's got a uh, Genesis 33:14 is the verse. Jacob is talking to Esau. They've begun to reconcile and so forth and so on. Not to get into the story. But this is the verse. Jacob says to Esau, he, he's telling him to go on. You, you just go on ahead with your family and your, your cattle. And here's what he says. I will lead on softly according as the cattle that goeth before me and the children be able to endure. Never paid attention to that verse. But I read those words. I will lead on softly. Oh, that's interesting. It kind of got my attention, but it didn't sink in until I read the paragraph below it. What a beautiful picture of Jacob's thoughtfulness for the cattle and the children. He would not allow them to be overdriven even for one day. He would not lead on according to what a strong man like Esau could do and expected them to do, but only according to what they were able to endure. He knew exactly how far they could go in a day, and he made that his only consideration in arranging the marches. He had gone the same wilderness journey years before and knew all about its roughness and heat and length by personal experience. And so he said, I will lead on softly. Man, that that got me. That's like, okay, if I was not sure that this was God's word to me for 2023, January the 3rd that morning, that sunk it in. I mean, it nailed it. E.T. and I were out. We were headed to a funeral the other day, Mm -hmm. and he went in to buy us lunch at Chick-fil-A. Isn't that nice? Well, you weren't there. He would have bought your lunch, too. Uh... He went in to buy our lunch at Chick-fil-A, so I get out. I was going to stretch my legs in the parking lot, and I open up. John Eldridge's book, Resilient. And I'm reading down through the page, and I read this, and I'm thinking. I'm thinking about ministry and, like, why am I struggling with some things and some complications with people and personalities, relationships? And I read this statement in that book. I think it says, you might need to throttle back. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, okay, that's answer to prayer. Yeah. And then I read this, and, it, you know, I will lead on softly. But what I love about the statement that, uh, in, this, in this paragraph, it says he would not allow them to be overdriven even for one day. And then it says that he, see, he knew exactly how far they could go in a day, and he made that his only consideration in arranging the marches. In other words, I, I was just thinking as I was reading that, it's kind of like what you guys were talking about earlier, or what we were talking about, how I am trying to train Napoleon in the workouts versus the way I trained you in the workouts. I got Esau, you got Jacob. <laughs> Renovation, that's what we're saying, right? So, I mean, this thing of throttling back, 
really really just just taking the time to be present mm-hmm. to not drag people along mm-hmm. but to minister to them and lead them on softly now I tell you that's really speaking to my heart and it's going to be big and I like the the realities so many times Jacob is characterized as being soft and timid and almost kind of effeminate like you know Jacob was a mama's boy but Esau was a man's man and we see that narrative played out you know where men get things done men motivate other people to get things done don't be a softy though we have talked about softening our approach none of us have talked about being softer men in a in a passive only word I can think of is pudgy but not you know what I mean like an unwilling yeah, to engage. You know what you mean? Soft men, little 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 fluff around the middle. Yeah, you know we're we're not getting couch we're not, potato. We're not trying to get. What'd s- you call them earlier? The donut. The uh, oh yeah, little ring cakes. Little yeah, ring cake. <laughs> yeah. Get a ring cake. Ring cake. <laughs> we 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 we. Yeah, we're we're not we're not trying to we're not trying to go down the to get on that path, but but softer in that we'll actually accomplish more what we're trying to do. If we come about it with a better approach. And well, so, yes. In other words, the whole premise here is shepherd, don't don't drive. You know, we think about the manly, like which one's the more manly image, the shepherd with the sheep or the cowboy riding the herd? Yeehaw. Well, we typically in this culture go to the cowboy driving the herd because that's the American mindset. But Jesus is the shepherd and bishop of our souls. He leads us. He shepherds us. And i got to tell you, I mean, I saw some shepherds. You, you know, I went to Israel <laughs> last year. <laughs> I hadn't said that lately. But when we were in Israel, just driving through the country, we really saw shepherds. And i got to tell you, they don't live easy lives. Those are, those are some tough guys, tough men, tough ladies um, that are out there doing that. They're living in tough conditions, but they are caring for those sheep. Shepherds put their heart in what they're doing. Mm. You know, cowboys get behind and push the herd. And I tell you what, I don't want to be a cowboy. Mm. I'm tired. I've I've done that a lot in my life. I've been a cowboy at home with my children. You know, I've been a cowboy in the church trying to lead God's people. No, nah, I, I want to be a shepherd. Going to what you were talking about the the being softer, like not not being wimpy, but being softer. It goes to the being present in the moment, because when you're present in the moment, and you said this, et at our undisclosed location in one of your uh, most recent sermons, I think it was uh, out of Hebrews, right before, during Christmas time. But one of the best gifts you can give a person is empathy, mm-hmm. and thinking about being more present in the moment and having empathy to that person and wanting to minister to that person, than just being kind of kind of like a politician, just kind of. You know, like a Christian celebrity. Somebody comes up to you and you, oh, yeah, hey, buddy, how you doing there, chief? You know, good to see you. Yep. Tell your mom and dad, oh, that's horrible. Thanks for opening your heart to me, but we'll pray for you. Amen. Ain't God good? And then walk off. Whereas when you're actually present in the moment, you can empathize with that person. And if you're shepherding your heart, you can really be able to minister more. Mm -hmm. That's exactly. We were talking about that earlier. And it's funny, we did a radio broadcast on this just to kind of explain where I'm coming from, and we ended up spending two-thirds or more of the radio broadcast on this topic of slowing the pace. Mm. And, and, it, and what we're discovering, I think, even now is how, how widespread this thing is. But we actually talked about how this 
What you just described is that threefold focus of spiritual formation, identity, community, ministry, because in my slowing the pace and being with God, I am forming my identity in Christ, from which I'm coming back into the community of the people God has given me, whether it's my household, your wife, your children, whether it's the church, the Sunday school class, whatever group, even your coworkers. But you come into that community, and then you're able to do good ministry to them. And so when we slow the pace, it actually helps us shepherd our heart better. When we slow the pace, it'll help us realize how to shrink our world better. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how you know we designed the logo for that in a circle, slow your pace, shrink your world, shepherd your heart, because there is no start here, end here. You can start with any one of those things, and they all work together to mm. create that way of holiness, which is what we're after. Well, my my renovation for this upcoming year ties into to what I mentioned on a, on a podcast a couple of weeks ago, but to be more consistent in my disciplines and to be more intentional about, especially like my, my journaling, my writing down of things, consistent in, you know, the, the frequency of doing them, of capturing them in a designated place to where I can actually come back and, and find them to reference them in the future. But then also for me to, to put it into a personal application throughout this year, I want to bring other people into my disciplines. And I think especially of, you know, my wife, my children, I want them to see me doing these different type of things so that, you know, they ask some questions. Hey, why do you do that? What's the benefit of it? But not only my family, my Sunday school class and different groups here in the undisclosed location that I had the opportunity to, to have some leadership role in. I want to bring other people along in what the Lord is doing in me this year. Because one of the things is I've been thinking about, you know, we talked about our purpose, vocation, and niche. Um, I asked myself that question, okay, what what would be my life's purpose? And I don't have, I don't think I have the, the finalized, uh, clear-cut statement yet, but if I was to answer that question to somebody, it would be, to learn what it is to be a true follower of Jesus and then lead others in that path as well. Um, because I think for me, I grew up very religious and in a, in a, in a very Christian society and home, and, and I'm very thankful for my heritage. And, but, but it was very easy for me to fall into the trap of just, of just clicking through the motions and not really knowing why we do the things that we do, why we think the way that we think. And this year especially, I want to grow in being a disciple and a follower of Jesus and then help to teach and impart to other people that as well. Not just facts, not just, you know, the quote-unquote truths of Scripture, but the actual truths of Scripture and what it's doing in my heart and bring others into that as well. So the the consistency in the spiritual disciplines— ties into the things that Napoleon said and what I'm talking about, because we can't accomplish those things without spiritual discipline. Right. We've got to practice the things that help us. I kind of termed just for thinking purposes the other day, the Psalm 91 four by six plan. I don't have time to explain all that, but basically Psalm 91, we've looked at how there's four places, four verses in that Psalm actually call us to action. And we talked about how those uh, could be spiritual resolutions for the new year. But then to accomplish those spiritual resolutions, we're going to need some spiritual disciplines that we put into practice. And we had went through about six spiritual disciplines that we would recommend people do. Well, really what you described, Napoleon, was the first of those spiritual resolutions. You know, he that abideth in the secret place, or he that dwelleth in the secret place yeah. shall so abide in the shadow of the Almighty. The abiding in the shadow, 
You talked about being present and just staying in that moment, staying there, getting what God is trying to do, letting others get in on what God is doing in that moment. So these are spiritual goals, spiritual resolutions, but the spiritual disciplines will help us get there because when I learn to practice prayer, when I learn to practice solitude, when I spend time in my journal, I'm learning how to abide. I'm learning how to be present. So I, I like that. And I think that whatever the listener comes up with as far as what does renovation year look like for you, they're going to need these spiritual disciplines, and they're going to have to practice them consistently. I like a word, diligent. Yeah, It's a Bible word, and it, we've got to be diligent in what we're doing. Second Peter chapter 1 is, is huge around the undisclosed location right now. And, and Peter says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, beside the promises, besides the power, God has given us the power, he's given us the promises, that's God's part. But then Peter says, and beside this, giving all diligence Add to your faith. That's our part. Mm. We can access the promises and the power to have a renovation year, but we've got to we've got to put the diligence into it. We've got to do and give everything we have to make it happen. I, I don't. I think I speak for all of you and the listeners. These things that are in our heart that we want to accomplish, they're not going to be just the easy thing, right? Because that's not renovation. Renovation is let's call something out. Matter of fact. Nearing the end of the, the podcast today, I was reading this from Charles Stanley. Renewing the mind is a little like refinishing furniture. It is a two-stage process. It involves taking off the old and replacing it with the new. The old is the lies you have learned to tell or were taught by those around you. It is the attitudes and ideas that have become a part of your thinking but do not reflect reality. The new is the truth. To renew your mind is to involve yourself in the process of allowing God to bring to the surface the lies you have mistakenly accepted and replace them with truth. To the degree that you do this, your behavior will be transformed. I thought that was excellent. Absolutely. Well said, Charles Stanley. Now, the listener may be saying, and I'll, I will ask you what the listener may be saying right now. They might be thinking, and this is just off the, the cuff here for you guys, so putting you on the spot as I like to do. Listeners are seeing on their screen that this is about to come to a conclusion, and they're thinking, well, this is all great, guys, but how do I get that direction? How do I go about knowing what God's lead for me is for Renovation Year? How would you, how would we answer the listener if they had that question right now? How do they go about finding this for their life? The first thing you do, I don't know a lot about renovating a home. I don't, I've never done any of those projects, but I will tell you, if you're going to renovate a home and there is a problem like asbestos or... That's a problem. That's a big one. Termite problem, whatever it is. If there is an issue, you need to get that fixed immediately. That's not something where you say, well, I'm going to get all this stuff taken care of and then we'll take care of this last. Mm -hmm. You have to take care of that. In fact, you got to get out of the house. You got to call in a specialist. You got to get... That's above your pay grade. Well... When it comes to renovating your own life, that's the first thing you got to do. You got to 
seek the Lord and ask him, Lord, is there something in my heart that I need to take care of? Yeah, you just kind of run the gambit of what I had listed in my notes. Sorry. Well, no, it's great because what we can do is we can break it apart real quick and just highlight those different things you just said. I thought you were going to say, like, the first thing you do if you're going to do a renovation project is you, and you were saying this, but you walk in the house. Let's say it's a house, and you walk in the house, and you identify where the problems are. So yes. if, even if it's peeling paint, right, or there's stains in the ceiling so you know there's a leak, well, what what you have to do, in other words, is an examination. Mm-hmm. Yes, there, there it is. Yeah, and, there it is. And, and, dear listener, you have to examine your own life and your own heart and your own soul, your own body. Right. Like we're talking about renovation of the whole person here. Yeah. So you're looking for the problem, you identify the problem, and you don't ignore that. Right. The problem that you you do the examination and what you find is a good direction. So you're looking at yourself saying, okay, where do I see this struggle in my life? And then the, the other thing you brought out, which is the number one thing I wrote down, was you can ask the yep. Lord for guidance. Yes, you ask an expert. Yeah, pray over it. You know, you say, well, I don't know what the renovation of my life would look like this year. Just ask the Lord. Lord, what is your guidance in this? You know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Well, we love to quote that. It's time to live by it. Mm -hmm. You know, we're to acknowledge him in all our ways. Don't trust our own self. Hey, let's get the Lord to help us. Yeah, you can't paint over mold. you got to get an industrial hygienist in there and take care of that problem. I would just add to it also, uh, listen to the people around you. That's been a big thing that I needed. I needed to pay more attention to what was being said about me, to me, you know, it's been important for me to understand that if there are people speaking into my life something or speaking about me, they may not be the people I would go to for counsel. But if they're identifying some things about me that are commonly being identified about me, I need to stop and pay attention to that. That that might reveal something that's actually needs to be renovated in my life. And again, I tell you, all this played into my understanding and being able to hear from God, you got to slow down. You've got to be with me, and you've got to be there for the people. Well, I think that uh, I think that's a good place to end the discussion and leave the listener with that thought of what would renovation year look like. Renovation. New year, new you. Baby. In the heart <laughs> of a champion, there is a fire. And the flames are controlled. Champion